Well, good morning. My name is Cor Shemleski. I'm uh, serving in an acting senior pastor role while Steve, our uh, legit senior pastor, is taking a, a sabbatical here. He'll be back in two weeks from now. Next Sunday we'll have an elder, Sean Jurgens, preach. Um, but Lindsay Norman right there, she, she came to me about uh, one or two weeks into this sermon series and just wanted to chat, wanted to talk, because it was clear that what I was talking about, she could identify with. This, this idea of living the high life and experiencing God in all his fullness, through his spirit, in his word, was something that God had done uh, for her in the last couple of years. And so she was curious if there might be a chance, um, I guess I was curious if there might be a chance for her to share her story, and she said yes. And so I was able to get her uh, to share that. And the, and the, full, the full story will be online uh, later today, but what what she shared right there is what God has been doing in my life over the past three years. It's been, I think, uh, happening to different people at Hope. And, and it's this piece of being in Christ and a part of his church in such a way that life change happens. That you don't just get older. <laughs> that you don't just sit on the bench waiting for something to happen external, but you're inviting God to just come and move in your life. You're saying, God, I'm thankful for where I've been, but I want more of you. In the same way that a husband might come to a wife after 10 years of marriage and just say, you know what, the last 10 years have been special, great, better than anything I could have ever imagined, but I'm not done getting to know you. I want more of you. I want more connection, more intimacy, more love, more companionship. And to, to hear Lindsay share those words, I think, is exciting for me because it's some of what I've been trying to communicate in this sermon series. Um, so if you want to hear more of, of her story, it'll be on later this afternoon. I want to communicate clearly what happened last week on this stage. Uh, some of you are wondering, was that something or was, was that nothing? Uh, I, I broke down uh, in the front pew as the, as the band was playing like the last line of this song for the offering which is uh, a little bit ill-timed in my mind. That's like, um, yeah. So just, it, I, I was blessed. A couple, a couple dudes from Hope like emailed after they got home like, if, if that was something that happened there, just, just so you know, I'm praying for you. And, and if that was nothing and you were just crying, that's okay. <laughs> uh, so I appreciated that, but uh, there's no crying in preaching. There's, there's no crying. There's no, cry- there's no crying in preaching. Um, but what had happened was I was, I was down there during, during the offering, which I kind of imitate Steve. We, we utilize that offering song to just kind of come before God in heart and mind and just say, all right, Jesus, this, this whole preaching exercise, this is, this is not about me. This is about you. I want to I showcase you. I'm thankful for the chance to do this, and I want to bring attention to you. And so in other weeks that I've, I've been doing this exercise, all, you know, I guess eight weeks prior to that, and however many times I prayed that prayer, given the, the different three or two services, after praying that, I've just felt God just kind of nestle in closer and be like, we're good here, go preach. And... For whatever reason, wasn't getting that, that presence, that affirmation, like, let's do this. They're just kind of like, huh. Um, 
so what, what's going on here, Jesus? And there wasn't like an absence of Jesus, and there wasn't like a, a spiritual darkness. There was just kind of like a staleness. And I, when I got on stage, I talked about like bathtub, water, plug pulled, as much as I could get that out through uh, broken words. And when I was experiencing that staleness in, in the prayer, it was just kind of like, all right, Jesus, well, let's see, is there, is there any sin that I need to confess? Anything that I just... A blind spot, I was rude to somebody, I was short with my wife, my family, anything going on there, and I just, nothing came to mind, didn't bring anything to mind, and it's like, well, kind of go through the sermon, like, is there anything I'm going to say that you don't want me to say? Is there a picture, a story? No, nothing like that. And then, last line of the offering song, all of a sudden, just like, release button, just like, hit it, and flush, and plug gets pulled, and there's just, then I was just crying, it was just kind of like, this is not this is not a good time. This, you know, this is like that that once a year push the release button and it just happened at the time I had to go public speak. So that that was really what happened uh, last week and that that that's it. So uh, I don't know if that is something or nothing, but uh, I recognize there's no crying and preaching. Uh, some of you are like, no, it's okay, it's okay. Some of you dudes are like, yeah, don't don't go there, man, don't. <laughs> very awkward to watch another man cry. Um, <laughs> this is part 10 uh, of a 10-part series. We are in the last sermon of this series called Certified Purveyors of the High Life. And we've been walking through and, and connecting to spiritual truths in the Bible and in God that are consistent with this, this commercial, this, this series of commercials with, with Miller Beer. And what we've been trying to communicate is is it is important to come to Christ. That first prayer that you may, may have prayed, um, that's a big deal. But so is every moment that follows it. Um, it's important to my wife that she knows today that I love her and care about her. And it's the same way in your relationship with God. What you have is right now, and you see in the Bible, uh, attention given to the present, the now. Uh, today is the day of salvation. Make this day a joy-filled day uh, in God. So, We've been talking about, it's not just how you come to Christ, but how you live out your faith in Christ that is also of, of great value. And to honor kind of this sermon series, I was given a present by a coworker. I got, I was given a t-shirt, and I think actually for me to wear that t-shirt on stage would, would violate our employee handbook. Like, we, we're not actually supposed to, I think, wear uh, t-shirts like that, so I took a picture at home. So I don't want to... I don't want to be in breach of hope etiquette. Uh, that would not be good. But just to recap, some of, you, some of you are travelers and you're visiting family and friends and you just happen by. Uh, we get a lot of visitors. So I'm going to try and re recap very briefly the previous nine weeks. The first four weeks were just about God. Uh, do you want God for God? Week one, do you, just, do you just want him? If so, you can have him. Week two is about the son, God the son. He is the only one. Commission to the Father to bring about salvation. So if you want God, you can have him through Christ. That way has been paved for you. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and you can come to God through him. Week three and four, weeks three and four, were about the Holy Spirit and the role that he plays. He's personal, and he wants to co connect with each one of us and lead us individually. Then we moved on to weeks five, six, and seven, which God at work inside each of us. The life of faith is not just coming and sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning. It's just not. That's attending a worship service. But even as each of you sit here, your level of engagement with God is largely dependent upon you. Yeah, do we try and do things on stage to make this a conducive place for you to worship God? Absolutely. 
But you could come in with uh, a, a dozen different things on your mind, none of which might be God. And it's up to you in heart, in mind, and in your decisions to say, yeah, right now, in this place, I'm going to worship God. And as you leave and you hang out with friends or get a nap later or, or uh, just gather with others, that's going to be another opportunity for you to say, yeah, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to love God and love my neighbor. And then as you go to work, and every, man, the communication cards are clear. Uh, work can be a struggle at times. So it's in heart, in mind, in decision making, are you prepared to love God and love neighbor? And so we, we talked about just the importance of God working internally and then week eight, that oozing outward, where you're loving God in expression, in worship, in prayer, and then what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? It's a difficult thing. It's a, it's a high bar to love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself, as you care for yourself, as you take care of yourself. Will you do that for your neighbor, the people around you? And then last week, we talked about, from Matthew chapter 7, a foundation, and we, we differentiated between two, two types of people. The person that hears God's word and responds, obeys, is like a, a man who builds his house on the rock. And the person who hears God's word and doesn't obey, it doesn't impact them, they aren't changed by it, nothing resonates. That person, that's, a, that's like a person who builds their house on the sand. And we talked about how the storms in these two, these two pictures are the same. But the result of one person obeying is the house doesn't fall and the person who doesn't obey, the house falls. And, and this passage ends with, great was the fall of it. Those who build their house on the sand, those who hear God's word and go away unchanged. Nothing catches, nothing resonates. It doesn't matter. Great fall can come from that. Jesus is trying in his word and through the church to help us, to aid us to live the high life. But many times we just think we know better. No, I got this figured out, Jesus. Thanks for that salvation thing. That was really good, by the way. That whole cross, dying on the cross, that must have been horrific. Thank you for that, but now I got this taken care of. And Jesus is very clear to communicate to us. He wants us to hear and get her done. Hear and obey. Hear and respond so that we don't become undone. This week, I want to invite each of us to experience the high life with hope. Now, for some of you, granted, this might not be your home church. And if that's, if that's the case, I might encourage you to think through some of the things we're going to talk about. How you might then go back and impact your family, your area of work, and your church uh, back home. But... Um, I want to talk about experiencing the high life, experiencing life in Christ, but doing so in community, in church, with hope, a local church here. Let's go to John chapter 20. This is uh, in your worship folder. There's an insert. It's got a bunch of verses on there. It'll be on the screen, also in your Bible. I want to take you to John chapter 20. going to read through this passage. Jesus has already died at this point. Uh, he's been raised to life and now he's communicating with various groups of people. He meets with his disciples here and he says in verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. I like that. And he says to them, peace be with you. 
When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, said to them again, peace be with you. Because when somebody comes into an, a locked room and all of a sudden is standing amongst you, you, you have anxiety. There's fear. So he gives them, gives them some more peace. Uh, then he says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And I want to highlight in that the second half of verse 21 where it said, Jesus says to the disciples, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I want that to be kind of the banner of this sermon. That as the Father has sent the Son, so now Jesus sends His disciples. And I think it's true of them, of those people that were in that room hearing uh, Jesus' voice. But I think it's also true of each one of us. We are sent. And so I want to use um, the rest of our time to unpack that. How are, what are some ways in which Jesus sends us? What are some ways that we can live the high life with one, and, with one another at hope? If you go back to uh, week two, I used I, I crossed out the S on our sermon series logo here because I wanted to make clear that Jesus is the only certified purveyor of the high life. God the Father has commissioned Jesus and only Jesus to bring about high life. He is the only one who has paved a way between us and God. Sin has separated us from God. Jesus paves the way. Now we can experience life in Christ, life in God through him. And so I felt like it's appropriate to cross out that S to communicate clearly that Jesus is the only certified purveyor of the high life. Then he comes in these verses and he rubs that out. He rubs that S out and says, now you guys, go be purveyors of the high life. And that is a crazy notion for me. For Jesus to commission us in the same way that the Father sitting in heaven with Jesus saying, all right, we got this, we got this rescue mission. I'm going to send you, Jesus, and you're going to go on and redeem humanity through dying on the cross. Think about the love and the sacrifice and the perseverance and all that that entails for Jesus to carry out that mission. And then Jesus grabs onto that and says, you know what? I was once sent of the Father here to take care of all you guys, and now in that same way, I'm sending you guys out. It's a rat, for me, it's, it's it's a tough comparison to get my mind around. He says, you guys are now going to be furnishers of the high life. You guys are going to be the ones who are going to carry this thing forward as salt, light, city on a hill, lamp on a stand. You guys are going to showcase me. And I start to think about all the things where I'm messed up and go like, seriously? Like, really? That's just a bad plan, Jesus. That's just, why, why would you do that? But he says, as the Father has sent him, so I am sending you, and so we are all to be certified purveyors of the high life for one another and for those who wouldn't ever think about coming to a worship service. So I want to talk about four areas of high life, four areas where I want to encourage you, challenge you, um, invite Jesus to speak to you in these areas, gathering together in service and sharing, uh, sharing slash giving in witness or evangelism, being a representative of Christ in your world where you're living. 
And uh, if there is any order, it's probably um, the anxiety level in each of you increases as you go down that list. It's, it's like gathering together, yeah, I can, I can do that. And then maybe a little bit more anxiety as you like give time and give up a part of a Saturday or come early on a Sunday, stay late. But then I want to unpack some of these because I, beyond that, I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason. Just praying through this, God, what, what do you want for the people of hope? And I feel like he landed on these four. And so I just want to encourage us in these areas. I want to invite you to experience the high life with hope in these four areas. So in gathering together, Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Different part of Hebrews, it says, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. How are you going to do that? How are you going to protect yourself from a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God? It says, encourage one another daily. As excited as I am to have you guys here uh, on a Sunday morning, I want to encourage you to find other people, other believers to gather with throughout the week. Because I can't get in your grill. I can't get in your life. I can't get in your face and just say, you know what you need? This this is your problem, man. But, But in a small group, you can do that. Or one-on-one with mentoring, you can do that. As you build relationships of love and support and trust, then you guys can encourage one another daily. Protect from sinful, unbelieving heart. Gathering together. I want to encourage you to not neglect meeting together. Often this is a first step. This, This neglect of meeting together can be a first step Towards isolation, loneliness, sin, breaking off from from Christ and the church. It's not a healthy step, so I want to encourage you. Do not neglect this. Listen to this uh, from a a fellow hopester. Emailed this in. When I moved to Minnesota for college, I did not find a church to attend regularly. For three years, I allowed myself to believe I was too busy to go, too tired, etc. Any of you experienced that just... Nine o'clock is just too early. It's just too early. Um, The truth is my lack of contact with our Father wore me out more than anything. Every time I did manage to get to church, the result was the same. I could barely contain myself during worship. The message gave me new life. My first experience at Hope about one month ago was no different. The only thing holding me back from a wild dance most Sundays is the thought that I might cause others to lose their focus on Christ. Yes, that would happen with me. I would lose focus if I saw you dancing. Uh, So absorbed in the messages, I come very near to shouting questions out to you. Um, Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about that. Um, My question to you and the whole congregation is this. Do you mind while dances or questions? (laughs) No, no. Do I get get to answer? Uh, But in response to your question, I am so renewed. I am reminded I get to go to heaven, despite everything I am. I get to see Jesus seated at the right hand of God Almighty himself, not to mention the fact that the God of the universe, the universe, knows who I am and loves me. Have I reconnected with Christ through hope? I have come back to him on hands and knees with tears of joy in my eyes. There aren't words for it. Yeah, you could say that we've reconnected. Thanks for helping point the way home. 
I hope you can hear in that the joy that this person has received by coming together, by meeting together. Wherever you're at, um, Hope is designed to be a place where we could encourage you to go one step further. For some of you, the thought of actually getting together in somebody's house as part of a small group where you would talk about God, where you might actually pray or be asked, invited to pray aloud, it just freaks you out. It just scares you. Um, other churches might be content just to see you on a Sunday. I think at Hope, uh, we're excited for that and we're going to challenge you to go one step further. Don't let Sunday morning be it. I want to encourage you to think about joining together in a small group. If that, if that size of group is too intimidating, getting together with a mentor, just one-on-one. Um, at Hope, we do not have a philosophy of like shaming you. Really, you're messed up. It's like, I'm messed up too. This is great. We, we can get together and share messed up stories. Um, We want this to be a, a, a healthy, safe place. Hope is designed to be that for you. Our small group leaders, we want to talk to them and communicate to them clearly. Make it a safe place for the new person. If that's where you're at this morning, I want to encourage you. Maybe you do that. Like Natty invited earlier, maybe you do that. Maybe you take that step of faith this summer or this fall and you start gathering together for the first time. There's a well-worn cliche that talks about if you want to go places you've never gone, you've got to do things you've never done. Maybe you actually do this. Maybe you actually step out in faith and end up gathering together. That's number one. Number two, in service. Um, listen up, LDI interns. Uh, <laughs> and Jesus called to him and said to him, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Top-down authority. Do it because I said so, right? And their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. One of Jesus' main lessons in leadership here. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Granted, we can't serve and give our lives as a ransom in the, in the same way that Jesus did. But the call is the same, to lay down your life for the sake of others. Had the chance to go to the West Coast. Uh, I guess it's getting, getting oh. man, life goes pretty fast. Uh, probably six years ago, seven, eight, nine years ago. Uh, anyways, went and took part uh, in a conference put on by leadership something or other, one of those leadership groups, and was kind of excited because I was going to get the chance to meet Ern McManus, Alex McManus, his brother, a couple people that work and serve at Mosaic Church out on the West Coast. Um, very hip, very trendy, uh, but doing, doing some stuff with regards to multicultural and multi-ethnic congregations. And so we went out there, and, and interestingly enough, the, the thing I took away from that time was, was really nothing any of the big-name speakers uh, talked about. It was actually this guy who served. And that was something that just brought him a lot of joy. I got picked up by him from the airport. And so I like getting to know people. And so I started to talk to him. What's your role here with um, this group? What's your role with Flood, this church? Um, College Avenue Baptist Church was right there too. And he was just involved. 
started talking to him, hearing his story, and he does construction for a living. And so he's one of those guys just, you know, like tan, being out in the California sun all day, every day. Uh, got just the, the chiseled arms just from doing construction stuff. I don't, I don't have uh, that. Uh, but in talking with him, it was, it was just great to hear his story and his zeal for service. But then I didn't just get to see it uh, or hear it. I got to see it later that week. He was just so giving of his time. He was there in the morning on a Sunday for like three morning services. And then that night he came back and, and he just worked the book table. He, he was like, you know, selling the, the CDs, selling the DVDs of the different speakers and just available to, to help out with different things. And, and one of the things that he was available to help out with was couriering, couriering me to and from the airport. And so after these four or five days of this leadership uh, conference, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to head back home and, and see my wife and just excited to come back to, to Minneapolis thinking I had absorbed enough from the conference. For whatever reason, just keep talking to him about why, why would you do all that? I mean, this, this was a guy who that week had put in somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 hours of volunteerism that week on top of his 40 to 50 hour a week construction job. And he stated this phrase that I'll never forget. He just said, you know what? In my life with Christ, somewhere along here, it became very clear to me that I would never be the guy on stage bringing in the teaching to the, to the people. But that never crossed my mind that I couldn't be then the guy who went and brought the teacher. And so that's, that's what he did. That was his role, was to be the book table, DVD selling table, available to make coffee. And then he just goes and picks up people and brings them from the airport and brings them back. And he was just excited to be the guy who could pick up the teacher and bring him. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to be a part of this body and serving in, in whatever way God might have for you. Do we want to get you plugged into a ministry where you're excited about it, you feel passionate about it, you're gifted? Absolutely. We do not want to just plug holes with discontent uh, people. We want to help you establish your gifts and your passions and then give you the joy to serve confidently in those roles. For some of you, maybe for the first time, uh, I entered into hope by, by cutting up donuts and making coffee. That was, that was my entrance into hope. That's how I got my start here. Um, and then one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, and then they made me a pastor. No, it was a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more involved than that. I just want to share, I put it out there to the ministry leaders, to the deacons here at Hope, just said, are there things where, where we could broadcast it in front of the people of Hope as we, as we prepare for another fall? Uh, five weeks, six weeks, man, this place is uh, a little bit different um, as, as students return and, and other things. And the time to plan and prepare for that is now. And so I, I kind of threw it out there to the ministry leaders. Can we put any needs any, any possibilities for people to get involved? Do you have anything? I got, I got a couple here, and I want to I share with them. And I just want to invite you to consider if you might have a hand in, in helping out Hope in these areas. Do you have to serve? Does your service have to happen at Hope? 
No. If your desire is for a type of inner city urban ministry, caring uh, for the poor, coming alongside those who are in a, in a tough place financially, serve. It's, it's okay. We're not keeping track who's serving outside these walls and who's serving inside these walls. Um, I want to throw some, some things that are going on at Hope. Hospitality and treats are looking for people who can faithfully serve once a month um, at third or once every other month in the mornings. Love to have people who have a heart to step into leadership. Consider leading a team, especially for the evening service, uh, third service. Another one, nursery is always looking for more competent, compassionate volunteers to take a shift every six weeks or so. Now you can read that one of two ways. They're looking for additional competent, compassionate volunteers, or the ones that they have aren't too competent, and so we need, we need more competent people than we have right now. So it's additional, right? Am I reading that correct? Additional competent. Okay, I got, the, I got clarity from the back of the room. We're good. But if people are looking for a one-time commitment, we try to thoroughly clean the nurseries a couple times each year and have trouble rounding up hands to help. Maybe the Lord would even be putting one of these things. So just write it down. Um, and you can contact me and I'll get you in contact with the right people. One area where we always need more people is, is PowerPoint. Yeah, Alicia's in the house today. Yeah. Um, seems like Jesse, our, our leader for PowerPoint, is struggling to find, keep good people back there, so we would definitely do with some more talented folks in the booth. Natty put forth, uh, take shape. Learn more about your place in the body of Christ. That's a great, uh, as far as service goes, you, you can step up and serve starting now, but if you want to hear more about your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, there'll be a class coming up this fall. Join a small group, Natty says. Uh, invest in those around you. Don't just show up. Be a part of that group. Go beyond Sundays. That's what small groups should do, and each person in the group contributes to that. Some of you have already made a great excuse, like, I, I don't need to go to small group. I, I don't have need for that. Maybe you don't have need, but some people that are showing up need you. They need your wisdom. They need your experience. They need your godliness. So maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for somebody else. Lead a small group. A couple more here. Attend the Men of Hope, Women at Hope stuff. Maybe seek out ways to, be, to help out at events. We will have boot camp for the guys in the fall, slumber party for the women. This is a great shortcut to community. Some of you are new here. You want to get invested here. Attending some of these events is a great way. And serving. Because if you serve at these, like I experienced when I was cutting up donuts, making coffee, the people who are early at these different things are leaders. They're people who are connected and they can help you get connected. And then finally, spring retreat. Uh, go volunteer to help. Lead a small group. So much help is needed there. Just to try and help you consider some different ways. Number three in sharing. I'm thinking primarily about uh, financial giving, but it doesn't have to be. Some of you have great abilities with regards to your profession where you could just bless people. If that's the case, if you like have like an hour or two and you have kind of like a specialty that you just know like, man, a lot of people at Hope are, are looking for jobs right now and that's, that's my area of expertise. I help get people connected or I help write resumes. You could just get on the city and broadcast that and uh, yeah, you'd, you'd be sharing uh, very quickly. I think people would take you up on that offer. So if you have something... Um, 
Yeah, let me, let me take you to 1 Timothy 6 here. As for the rich, which is Westerners, so that, that's us. We're, we're rich um, by the world standards. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And there it is. There's the high life in this area of giving, sharing. And just so, you don't have to give here. This is not like, hey, come fill up the pockets of of Hope Community Church. This is, now there are financial needs here and you can find those in the worship folder, but, but this is not, I really believe the words up there. That you can take hold of life by recognizing the place that money has. That we are to be stewards of it, sharers of it. That God gives us and we then have the opportunity to bless and and share with others. One practical, just, this is such a delicate area, I even hesitate to put put forth this suggestion about how you might spend your money. Um, One of of our uh, missionary families is here and they've been raising support all summer and still are at a shortfall. And I want to I commend them to you again. This isn't the first time that I've stood up here and said, hey, I, w- I want you to consider this. But um, I asked them for numbers, financial numbers. And this is, this is um, the full extent of their shortfall between here's, here's budgeted what we need and, and here's where we're at as far as donations go. And so I just said, put together some numbers and I want to just, I want to put them in front of hope and just put the need out there. Um, some of you might be thinking, I don't know this family. Who are they? I've talked with them, worked with them. It encourages them when people they know at Hope are willing to come and support them financially in prayer and and develop a partnership. This is not a one-way street. Um, They really want to um, invest in you, spend time with you, encourage you from the field where they're at in Asia. It encourages them when the people of hope that they know sign on to support them. But what really gets them jacked is when somebody says their home church is Hope Community Church and they're like, we don't know these guys. But they signed on to be a part of our ministry over in Asia. They want to see people overseas be reached and touched with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I don't know if that's like a, a second cousins thing, like you, you, you don't ever see them and, and you just heard about them and that these guys might be your second cousins that, that you can support. And, and, you know, it's just like, I don't know them, but I heard I'm related or I should care about them. It's like, this family you should care about. They're, they're our people. Uh, they, they were a part of building hope to what you see today. And so if you're in a place, some of you are just aren't. And, and there's no shame. I, I don't know who's giving to them. Well, I don't check in on this, but I want to commend if you're able to come in and support them at any level there. But I believe the words of 1 Timothy 6. I don't want to be haughty with, with my money. I don't want to set my hope in the uncertainty of riches. I want to be a person ready to share generous because I want to take hold of that which is truly life. I want to live the high life with regard to my finances. Finally, number four, in witness, in evangelism, in sharing, in demonstrating your faith visibly, publicly to people that care about you and those who might be offended or those that might be um, 
just don't care about you and, and your faith. When we read to you from Philemon 6, uh, it's a short little deal, so all they have is, is verses. There's no chapters here. Paul says this um, to Philemon, who uh, he's, he's talking with them because uh, Onesimus has, has gone, has abandoned Philemon, and now Paul writes this letter just to try and smooth over things. He says, Philemon, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Demonstrate your faith. In the abandonment of this servant of yours, demonstrate your faith. Be active in sharing it and showcasing it in this moment, in this event. Why? So that Onesimus can be won over, so that you can have your works demonstrated before others. He doesn't list those things. He says, in doing so, in, in, in actively living out your faith, you will experience a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You, me, living out, demonstrating our faith publicly, visibly, loving people, loving God and loving neighbor as ourself. As you do that, you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I like to make a habit when I'm in the dental chair of kind of like inviting the hygienist to like talk so that we don't actually have to have a dialogue. It's like I want to ask her something or him something so that there can be a monologue from that person to me so I don't have to because they, they will ask you questions, and they have like both hands in your mouth. It's like, how am I supposed to answer that, you know? And so uh, with one hygienist, I just, hey, you mind just telling me your, your spiritual journey? Just face star? She's like, no, no, you don't want that. It's like, no, really, I do. I want you to talk, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm eager to hear, you know? And so she, she took that time to share. And, and she had a, 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 a covering over her mouth and, and her nose. And, and um, so all I could see were her eyes and kind of shares the story of how the, she felt the church had let her down. And now she believed in what, um, if any of you are kind of philosophy or religious boss, kind of Gnosticism. It's just kind of, we all have a, a spark. We all are kind of have a little mini light inside of us. And we're part of a, a great bigger light. Um, and, and when we die, we just kind of get, and folded into the, the big giant light. And she got kind of done sharing this. I don't know if she had ever really articulated her faith before. Maybe people hadn't asked her. Maybe she hadn't had like 30 minutes just to share uh, her spiritual journey. But as she got done sharing, you can almost see in her eyes an absence of peace. Kind of a, a, a questioning, a wondering is, is that really what I believe? That we're just kind of each a spark. We, we're all kind of a mini light and then we get absorbed into this great light. And as she made visible on her, her face and in her words that she didn't have peace, I was reminded. I became more fuller in my understanding of the blessing it is just to have peace that comes from knowing Christ. And so I share with this person they make clear they don't have peace. And I'm reminded, I might have a fuller understanding of every good thing that I have in Christ. Now this, this might be just share, sharing your faith, demonstrating your faith publicly. This, this for some of you, it, it's, it's off the charts. Like there, there's, you can't conceive of a time where you could see yourself doing this. This is just not okay in your world. It is fill your diaper type of uh, fear. And so... I want to encourage you with something. At Hope, one of our core values is for God's glory. And the little tagline we use with that is, it ain't about us. It's, it's not about you. It's not about me. 
It's about God. It's about Christ. We're trying to showcase God. And even in our demonstration, in our sharing of our faith, and a big word, evangelism, where you, where you kind of help people to understand the good news of God, um, you can do this. As fearful as it might be, it is an ability of each of ours to say, you know what, God loves you. Sin separates you. Christ died for you. You can believe in Jesus. He will receive you into his family. Each of us, that's within our ability. And not only that, um, as you share that, people will reject the message. There will be times where people, you'll share that, you'll articulate it clearly, it will burn in your hearts the glory of God because that's such a beautiful thing. The cross where your sin is forgiven is such a wonderful thing. And you're so excited to share it with somebody. And then you do. And they change the subject. And they bring up the twins. And they talk about the weather because Minnesota people always talk about the weather. And I think many times because, I don't know if it's we're Minnesotans or we're humans or what, but we just, we just get so hurt by that. Like, oh, they, they rejected me. They, I just feel bad about that. I feel bad about myself. And going back to our scripture from today, John 20. Listen to this in verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. When Jesus says, I'm going to have you guys be certified purveyors of the high life. You're going to bring my message forth. You guys are going to be salt and light. And we come and we bring that message and they reject us. Jesus says, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And and where there should be brokenness, just the fact that this person, in rejecting a, a message from us coming out of our words, where when I talk about the weather, it's like, you can reject that, it's no big deal. And I talk about my desires to to raise my boys in a certain way, you reject that. All those are no big deal, but then all of a sudden I share the gospel and you reject that, you reject God. What a sad thing it would be for me to make that about me and just, oh, I'm just so hurt that they, they hurt my feelings. They rejected me. No, they rejected God. In your witness, in your demonstration, in your public proclamation, as you're sharing with people and you're trying to be salt and light, let it be about God. Let his strength carry you. Let him speak through you or shut you up as is appropriate in the moment. I want to just put those four areas back up on the screen and just have you prayerfully consider, open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and just say, Jesus, where me? Is there one area that you would just encourage me to take a step forward in faith? Maybe to do something you've never done before. And ultimately, this is not for the purpose of of gaining favor with God. You already have favor with God through Christ as you believe in Him. This is about now. What does that experience in Christ look like? Is it full of life? Jesus made very clear I came so that you might have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full, have it to the maximum.
And that's what I want for you guys. I don't want you to just come, sit the butt in the pew, week after week. My desire is that the experience that's come to Lindsay Norman, just high life, full life, that's what I would have for each one of us. I want to close with um, one more hopester recounting um, their renewed desire for the high life. Maybe as an encouragement um, to one or more of you uh, today. It says, I have had a renewed desire for God this summer. For the past five years, I was a creature of habit. For a while, God um, and I are super tight, then I get sick of him and repeat. It sounds awful to say, but God became too much work at times. And I'd say to him, go away, God, I just need a break from you. You ever experienced that? That is what happens when you listen to the the devil. Earlier this summer, I was in a long period of this horrible phase, upwards of two months long, the longest it's ever been. I knew what was wrong. I knew what I should be doing, and the guilt of my sin ate away at my soul. It was difficult for me to attend church, let alone lead a small group and otherwise participate in community with other believers. My relationships and my health suffered. Finally, on June 30th, I'd had enough. I don't know what exactly triggered the change, but that night I prayed that God would take me back. I immediately felt his embrace. Friends, that's not just this person, that's you too. You can immediately feel that embrace as you turn to him. Over the next week or so, God showed me some tough love as I was forced to recount my own brokenness to him and others. Yet through all of that, I felt deeply loved by my creator and sustainer. The hardest part was forgiving myself, and that took some time. What I learned from this experience is that one of the greatest lies Satan tells us is that God is too much work. Being in relationship with God is work. But it's far easier than being away from him. Really, it is. I am thankful and saved by his grace. Being in relationship with God is work. But it's far, far easier than being away from him. Experiencing the high life in Christ and with hope is work. It just is. This is a harder life to live for Christ and in community with the church. But my hope and my prayer for hope and for your experience individually and our experience corporately is that you would see it and experience it as a better life. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for commissioning your son to come to earth, to live the life he did, to die the death he did, to be raised again to new life, and then to send your spirit into the hearts of those who believe in you and follow after you. Right now, corporately as a church, we want to lay our sin at the foot of the cross and bear it no more. We want to turn from it. We want to embrace Again, the freshness and greatness and joy of knowing you. And God, if there's one thing, two things that you've pierced our hearts with, that you've put on our minds, that we would respond in faith and obedience, that we would hear and get her done so we don't become undone, that we would respond. 
And God, for those who might be on the outside looking in, those who have not made a commitment to follow Christ, that you just encourage them, whether it's to talk to the one they came with or to talk to me afterwards or to take a step and, and get into a small group here. We want them to know and feel and recognize that this is a safe place and that uh, they're welcome to come and to process through the deep things of, of God. And as we move forward with this time of response, that we would just lift you up because there's no one like you. Thank you, Jesus, for being you and for loving us as you have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Please stand and respond with us.